Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bare Necessities podcast. In this episode, we're going to be going over the possibility of J.J. Watt getting traded to the Bears, Erlacher's appearance on first take, where he kind of talked about the Bears quarterback situation and other aspects of the Bears. And we're going to round out the show with our offensive review, where Reese and I both go over every single position on the Bears offense, giving you guys some predictions, how we see it playing out, and ultimately some final conclusions. But before we get into the show we are just going to ask you guys really quick if you can please leave us a rating and review in the bottom of apple podcasts it really helps us out if you like our show it just takes a couple quick moments and it helps us out substantially and while you're at it why don't you go follow us on instagram as well at chicago bear necessities we're really trying to grow a platform there and give you guys some more instant reactions to bears news that we can't give you on a more formal podcast so with that we appreciate your continued listenership sit back relax and enjoy the show. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bear Necessities podcast. We're back. Uh, we've been having some bigger gaps in between our episodes than normally, um, but I, I think we're ready to kind of pick it up again um, and bring you the best content we can during this long off season. Reese, how have you been this week? I've been good. I've been good. Uh, I don't know, just getting some things done, you know, you know, just trying to stay productive and in these times, I'm sure like you are as well. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, I noticed that you're wearing a cutoff t-shirt, Risa. Have you been hitting the gym lately? <laughs> I've been trying my best, you know, uh, I actually did work out today and, uh, been trying to capitalize on all the time I have in my house and my little, little home gym. And I also was washing my car. So I was trying to get a nice little there tan on and not get that uh, farmer tan lines, trying to get ahead of that. As long as you're social dis- distancing, I can completely be okay with that. It, it, it sucks for me right now because uh, in my little uh, studio apartment, I don't have any workout equipment. All of that is at home in Chicago. And it's uh, it's been a little bit of a pain trying to do some bodyweight exercises, but ultimately not having uh, any equipment to do anything interesting. Um, but fun that seems to be how it is. <laughs> I, I've been trying to I've been trying to get my push-ups in, but you know it, it hasn't been the most entertaining I can say. But this week has been a really interesting week um, in Bears news. Surprisingly, it seems like we keep getting some storylines in the off season uh, that we that we didn't really have previously. We we didn't have this on the rundown, but one thing that I want to mention is uh, in the past probably 30 minutes a lot of rumors have came out about Jamal Adams possibly being traded um clearly I think I think they're looking for a first and a third they said uh clearly not really in the range of possibility for the Bears as we kind of need that first round pick next year if uh things don't work out with Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky um but that's going to be that's going to be interesting to see if he actually gets traded you know obviously one of the best safeties in the NFL, uh, could have possibly been paired with um, with Eddie Jackson, which would have been, I mean, absolutely unbelievable if the Bears selected him over uh, Mitchell Trubisky. But unfortunately, that did not happen. Any possible landing spots you can think of, Reese, uh, for Jamal Adams? Man, that's interesting. Uh, as far as kind of like in the Bears radius, I think the only team in the division that could really be looking for a stud safety like that would be like Green Bay, because I think like they're always kind of lacking. Mm-hmm on the the defensive they end. got adrian amos isn't he as good as jamal adams no he's not <laughs> <laughs> okay okay sorry i forgot yeah sorry for all you like old adrian amos fans though if anyone still owns like a adrian amos bears jersey <laughs> but, uh, pff darling right exactly yeah but man that, that's interesting i'm trying to think 
Mm. I mean, I could see Detroit. Detroit's not the team to do the trade, but he could be a fit there. You know what? I'm going to throw this out here. I think this would be an absolutely unbelievable uh, landing spot. How about the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, I could I could see that. And the play in some warm weather. I feel like the Miami Dolphins always have kind of like some secretly good secondary players, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like some low-key like sleepers, you know. I, I know they have Byron Jones right now. Byron but, uh, Jones, Xavier Howard, two, two all-pro. I believe uh, Byron Jones was an all-pro, wasn't he? Yeah, he or was. was. He so, I mean, he's not oh, slept on as much. I, Byron Jones definitely gets like his proper like recognition, I think. But I think having Jamal Adams down there, that would be – Pretty crazy, especially Huge. in uh, AFC East. It's going to be a little bit more uh, wide open, you know? Who knows yeah. how that division is really going to fall. I mean, the best quarterback in that division might be Josh Allen? <laughs> possibly, possibly. Tua, We're going to have to see. Once he starts playing, who knows? Tua, I, I think, I mean, ultimately, I think Tua is going to be the best. I, I cannot say that I'm a fan of Josh Allen. I've always trashed on him. I remember back on the Truth Football podcast for anybody who's transferred over from that, um, which is God probably none you. of you because, yeah, <laughs> not, not a lot of you, but because um, it was pretty bad. You know, it would honestly be kind of funny if we played one of our old podcasts for a little bit um, on some sort of celebration podcast we do once we hit some of our goals um, because it was I, I was listening to it the other day and it was not good, uh, but it, it just goes to show how far we came. But anyways, um not a fan of Josh Allen. I just, I think that he's going to end up turning the ball over too much. I don't know if he's a quarterback you can necessarily win with. I know a lot of people uh, kind of hype him up to be this like, you know, white Cam Newton or something, which <laughs> is just not even remotely to who he is. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's going to be an interesting division nonetheless. But let's actually move on to some Bears news now. The first thing that we're going to talk about, which is kind of like a hypothetical, is there's been some rumors swirling around that J.J. Watt might, in fact, be interested uh, playing for the Bears. He, of course, is married to, I, I don't know her name, but uh, a famous uh, woman soccer player who was just traded to Chicago uh, this offseason. And he went on a podcast and talked extensively about his love for the city um, and favorably for some players like Khalil Mack. To be honest... You know, I think this is one of those news lines that are just coming about because it's the offseason. I don't think that there's really any chance that he ends up in Chicago. I'm going to say like maybe 1% chance at most. Um, I think something that you really hit on, Reese, is that we don't need him and he's on the downswing. Yeah, you know, J.J. Watt, fantastic player. I mean, when he was in his prime and staying healthy, he was unstoppable, very much like Khalil Mack is right now. I mean... Mm-hmm. I want to say what in the span of like maybe 2014 to like 2017 ish, maybe even a little bit before yeah. 2014, he was dominating uh, the league and terrifying quarterbacks. I think that, you know, this is a storyline that has popped up. I think has resurfaced, I guess what you would say. Cause I think this kind of originally came around in like January or whenever his wife was traded to the to Chicago mm-hmm. Red Stars, which is one of the most su- successful Chicago teams right now. So be sure to check them out. But, um, you know, Maybe I think we'll have to start a podcast on that. Yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah. I mean, we could really capitalize on a, on a new market right there. But if uh, the Bears go 0 and 16 this season, we'll transfer over to a Chicago Red Stars uh, podcast. Yeah, exactly. And, but I think that I don't think it's very likely at all. I think it's a little bit of a definitely the media fishing for something. You know, would he be a good addition on the team? Yes. 
Uh, but at the same time, uh, his injury issues over the past few years really do do scare me. Mm-hmm. It's concerning. I think that his biggest value would really be, you know, adding another name. If J.J. Watt was traded to the Bears in some miraculous way, um, I think that he would it would instantly like hype up the Bears defense in the same way that Khalil Mack kind of did. Um, maybe not quite to the extent, but J.J. Watt, a very notable first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that his prime, um, which was, which was fairly long, uh, barring some injuries was one of the most, do- I mean, clearly one of the most dominant of the 21st century. Um, I don't, it, I don't mean to upset some Bears fans here, but his, the peak of his play was definitely more notable than the peak of Khalil Max play yet. Um, now I think that this season Khalil Mack could change that. And as you looked at JJ Watt, a lot of his best years have been recently. I think he had 14 sack season a year ago at the age of like 31, 32. But JJ Watt, obviously a great name. I think adding him to the locker room, he's a great individual would really be beneficial. That being said, he still is carrying $11 million salary and the Bears are right at about 11 million. They probably have to make some moves in order to get him to fit in the, under the cap or get him to restructure. You can't really tell me, though, that adding J.J. Watt for $11 million would benefit the Bears more than, you know, Larry Warford or even like a Cam Newton in a backup position. The money can definitely be better spent elsewhere. I think that's for sure. We already kind of have an embarrassment of riches, you know, like that outside Mm -hmm. linebacker, just like pass rushing position already or edge, whatever kind of new fangled tech or whatever new fangled like term you want to put on it. But uh, I think that he would be yeah, a good addition, right? Like you said, he still has been producing, you know, despite, you know, what's been shaking him up and slowing him down. But we already picked up Robert Quinn, you know, it's kind of almost seems like it's just like a moot point, you know? Yeah, it's exactly. Just, and- it's just kind of a moot point. But I mean, it's an interesting storyline to follow. And Right. Following your wife or like being able to live in the same city as your wife is definitely definitely an advantage. I mean, what uh what an interesting quandary when you're both kind of professional athletes. So yeah. just a interesting story and you know, always. And JJ, of course, is from uh Wisconsin, uh played at Wisconsin, so it, it would make sense if he had a desire to go back to uh area closer to him. Um but ultimately I just I don't really see it happening. I think that the Bears are already happy. You know, if J.J. Watt wants to take a $6 million pay cut, then yes, I would happily accept him on this Bears team. I mean, that'd be fantastic. But ultimately, I think the money could go elsewhere. And I know that's... It honestly wouldn't surprise me if J.J. does get traded in the next couple of years just because, you know, um, the Texans are kind of known for not having very much respect for their star players. Um, especially with, uh, what's her current coach's name right now? I can't think of his name. Oh, Bill something. Uh, Bill something. Bill O'Brien. Yeah, Bill O'Brien. Uh, he's kind of known to be kind of a John Gruden like figure where he, he kind of, he, he feels like he's entitled to this, like all this kind of respect. And if a player wants to be traded, that's they're doing. And you can't ask for a contract extension and all different types of, uh, really outdated football, uh, knowledge. Um, so the Texans are definitely in trouble with that. On, honestly, if I'm going to be completely honest, it would not be the most shocking thing if Bill O'Brien ends up trading Deshaun Watson. Would not, would not surprise me. I think Oof. after I saw him trade 
Hopkins, they're, they're definitely their best player on that team. DeAndre Hopkins traded him for a second round pick. Didn't even get a first round pick. Not to mention trade Jadavian Clowney, another extremely high pick. Now, I know quarterbacks are different, but it doesn't seem like anything is off the table for Bill O'Brien. And if Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play in Houston anymore and feels disrespected in a way by not having the the tools around him that he might think he he might think he needs, it would not surprise me if they ship out Deshaun Watson. Man, I, that'd be kind of be a crazy move. I mean, honestly, it'd probably be one of the bigger like QB moves. I mean, not quite to the scale, but probably since Peyton Manning after like that mm-hmm. neck surgery when uh, he moved over to the Denver Broncos and, of course, you know, had a good bit of success there. Man, I don't know if I could see them actually trading Deshaun Watson. I do agree that DeAndre Hopkins was their their best player, definitely the biggest weapon. But mm-hmm. man, just the fact that it's a quarterback position and it's so hard to find like a, a franchise quarterback. And I know me and you aren't really the biggest fans of uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean, he is a winner and we do agree that, you know, he has a great winning mentality. But, you know, he's kind of come up short in the, the playoffs and his couple chances. And he has had a, a good amount of weapons around him and still hasn't been able to, to get it done. As for the, for J.J. Watt, though, I think it's a lot a lot more likely, and I think there could be mutual agreement to him getting traded. Uh, I mean, J.J. Watt, of course, doesn't have a ring, hasn't really even made that deep of a of a playoff push. So I'd be curious mm-hmm. to see if whether or not he'd be willing to take a pay cut. Like you said, $6 million, you know, just to go out and join a team that has a, a good chance at it, and whether or not he views the Bears as that kind of team is uh, probably the real question there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, not to get too off topic because we do have, you know, a very full slate of, uh, of topics today. But why were the Bears not in on this DeAndre Hopkins trade? Like, you have to think we signed Robert Quinn for 14, 15 million dollars a year. The contract that Hopkins is going to get is about 19 million a year. Um, I don't like, Sending a second-round pick to pair DeAndre Hopkins with Allen Robinson—that sounds like a gold mine for for the Bears. I don't know why they didn't do that. Yeah, and especially when you bring in the fact that you know Anthony Miller would still be part of the equation. That you know, mm-hmm. I guess we'll get to him later on in this in this podcast. But yeah, I mean, it, that is a for a very real question. They had two second-round picks to to work with too. It would have wouldn't have been. I don't think too many people in Chicago would be too upset if they give up. You know one of those second round picks and if they needed to something else to to bring in a talent like DeAndre Hopkins you know I mean he'd mm-hmm. clearly be the best receiver the Bears have had here probably ever so uh yeah yeah no it's it's pretty crazy when you look at it in retrospect and you know I don't know how many other NFL teams really knew that they could get DeAndre Hopkins for that much of a steal mm-hmm. you know I feel like the Cardinals kind of they came in they made an offer and were probably just as surprised as everyone else that it <laughs> that they were able to get it to, to work out. But, yeah, Jeez. I mean, if, the, if it was well-known, I mean, you do have to, you know, put a little bit of criticism on, on Ryan Pace or at least question, you know, why they would pass up on someone like him, you know, especially when they were able to dish out the, the money to other people. So, I mean, that's a very, very valid point that, that you bring up and not really something that I thought about too much because, I don't know, in my head, I think I just figured that was something that was just really, like, under the table almost, something that happened pretty pretty quietly but yeah i mean if it was mm-hmm. pretty public and a lot of other owners or gms knew about it man that was a little bit of a, a little bit of a mistake i think 
I mean, I mean, what a mistake if it was pretty private, you know? Like, how how is Bill O'Brien? Do you not, like, are you just accepting the first offer you get? Like, how do you not make this more well-known? So I'm assuming that it was pretty more well-known. Um, and, you know, the, the what I do have to say is that historically speaking, wide receiver tends to be the one position that you can kind of get away with. Um, when you, you don't need, you don't need two number one wide receivers to win the Super Bowl. And putting $20 million into a wide receiver is the impact is kind of, you know, impact for the money isn't the best, I would say. But, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is DeAndre Hopkins. I can understand if Ryan Pace just doesn't want another big contract on the books. That's absolutely understandable. I can understand if, you know, I'm pretty sure the move occurred before free agency actually happened. So not knowing if you could land a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater or Tom, I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened, but there are reasonable explanations. I just would like to know the explanation. So uh, kind of moving on from that, Erlacher, not Kyle Long, appeared <laughs> on first take. Uh, I don't know why I always was getting that confused uh, when we were planning the episode, but he uh, he appeared on first take. Um, he was there with, uh, you know, all those uh, Stephen A. Smith horrible, and Max Kellerman yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. all the headlines. <laughs> Some very bothersome reporters that can end up being kind of annoying. Actually, funny enough, I think Stephen A. Smith has been the most spot on with the Bears over the past couple seasons of these like, you know, hot take reporters, like guys I don't really care as much about you know, the actual analysis and more or less they're just trying to stir the pot and get people riled up. Um, But he actually has been decently spot on. I think that he has a very accurate um, assessment of Mitchell Trubisky, has a lot that he had a good 2018, very lackluster 2019, but had injuries. He don't really know. Um, He doesn't, he's definitely not someone who, you know, shits on the bears like he used to be. Um, but overall, you want to, uh, what, what were your thoughts on this appearance? I know he talked extensively about the quarterback situation. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you, Reese. Honestly, I think my biggest takeaway was, wasn't the analysis that Erlacher gave because a lot of other people could have kind of said what Erlacher said. You know, he made some interesting points about that his favorite quarterback to play with was Kyle Orton, which is a little <laughs> unsuspecting, but you know, it does make sense. Basically, Erlacher said that he didn't turn over the ball and just let the defense do the work, which, you know, sounds pretty pretty much what the Bears, you know, team in 2020 needs to do. But I think ultimately what I saw was a former Bears player that definitely sees a future with the, with the Bears organization because he played it very, very safe. And his responses, he said that, you know, in today's NFL, you need two great quarterbacks. I mean, that's not really true. He played that mm-hmm. kind of safe. I know where he's coming from, and there's evidence that he can use the back that, but he played that safe. He wouldn't really tip his hand on Trubisky too much. So really, I think that Brian Recker, I don't know if he's eyeing what kind of coaching position, whether it be like a defensive coordinator or linebackers coach, but I don't think he's ready to really cut the ties off with the Bears organization. So I think looking ahead long term, I think Brian Urlacher is someone that uh, he might be a reappearing face for this franchise. That was my biggest takeaway. That would be really exciting. Honestly, I would love to have Brian Urlacher step in in some capacity. Um, I don't know if he'd be more interested in coaching, being actually like on the field and everything, or if he would rather um, kind of step into the front office position. And, you know, there, <laughs> he, he might be playing it safe because there's a, a decent possibility that we do end up having some changes in those positions. And, you know, Brian Erlacher, obviously beloved by the McCaskey family. 
Um, obviously beloved by Bears fans. I, I can't really make a assessment of how good of a GM or coach he would be because you just, you never really know like that. I would be excited. I would be optimistic, but somewhat upset if he had like some sort of lead position. Like I wouldn't want him to be the head coach or the GM of the Bears because he just has no record whatsoever in either of those capacities. Um, but I, I do see, I would be very excited if we brought him in as like some sort of linebacker coach or, or, uh, you know, some sort of just front office position. I think that he is a really good person, um, really entertaining person, and obviously a beloved Chicago figure. If you're Brian Erlacher, though, here's my question. If you do have an aim to come back to coaching, you know, why would you uh, – your legacy is already so good with the Bears. Why would you want to risk that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I kind of get that. I mean – Kind of like I, Elway, you know? Elway yeah. with the Broncos, he comes in and now he's kind of a shitty GM. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that's a it's a good point. I think the way I see it is he would probably start like his coaching in some capacity, like a positional coach or like some kind of defensive assistant, and like move on. I could see his like career trajectory if he did decide to get into coaching being a lot like Mike Vrabel. So I do believe that Vrabel, you know, kind of became the positional coach under Belichick, mm-hmm. you know, but then he got that opportunity to move on, and now he's creating his own le- legacy down in Tennessee. So I, I think that's kind of what I would assume from him. It's easier to kind of get that start in with a team that you're familiar with or that you kind of have a background in, especially when he's known for being, you know, he's a Hall of Fame linebacker. Why wouldn't you want to bring him in to, to coach up some of those players, you know? So I, I think that's kind of what I would predict, but I, I you do bring up a good point. Like Elway has kind of shown, I think a lot rides on Drew Locke as far as, you know, what Elway's <laughs> legacy is going to be. And there's definitely a countless I don't think people. it's going to be that good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think Drew Locke is, uh, I don't know. I, you can't really get much of a read because it's such a small sample size. You know, it's like, it'd be like making a read mm-hmm. off of Trubisky based off of what he did in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. I just I was never a fan of Drew Locke in college. I thought that he was a very overrated prospect, and when people were projecting him to go for uh, in the first round, I was pretty shocked. And ultimately, when he went in the second round, it wasn't a huge surprise. Um, but yeah, I think that going back to Erlacher, I think that he would be a really good addition for the fans. I think the fans would be really excited having him be some sort of like team spokesman or at least in with the team in some capacity would be really awesome. Um, obviously someone who's been, he's been very critical, but also like optimistic with the Bears. You know, like I think he is a very realistic with the Bears year to year. Um, he's not someone who's going out there to support their every single move, but I definitely could see how you, um, kind of anticipated that from, or actually, uh, interpreted that from what he was saying earlier on first take. He's definitely kind of changed his tone of voice. So that would be pretty awesome. And, you know, I'm going to throw one other conversation topic in here. I know we have our entire offensive position group, uh, review to go through, but earlier today, geez, I can't remember which reporter, um, actually put it out, but there was a report that came out that said it is almost guaranteed that Aaron Rodgers finishes his career with a different organization. I could, I could definitely see that. To me, that just makes sense. You know, I think originally what, when we reacted to Jordan Love becoming a a Packer after this year's Mm -hmm. draft, you know, I I think he's kind of going to finish a lot like Brett Favre does. I mean, I don't know if he's going to retire and then come out of it, but I could see him finishing out his contract. I, I'm not sure if 
the Packers, you know, if they play it smart and try to move him while he's got like a year left to really get some capital back, that'd mm-hmm. be an interesting move by them. But yeah, I could definitely see see him being on a different team. I I'd, I do not think that he's a lock to you know finish out as a Packer, and I think that makes a lot of Bears mm-hmm. fans rejoice. <laughs> I mean, as they should. He's been a quarterback that has been able to really tear apart. Uh, this Bears team, really, no matter how great the defense has been, he's always really kind of had the Bears number as soon as he took over that position. Funny enough, LaDainian Tomlinson, um, he came out, I can't remember if we talked about this on the last podcast, and said that he believes that Aaron Rodgers is going to be the Bears quarterback and kind of get back in the division and try to get some revenge in a similar way that Brett Favre did on the Packers. Um, I would be obviously stoked for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would be absolutely amazing. We have some cap space next year if the Packers want to cut him. Um, and ultimately I actually do think that he isn't going to get traded. I think that they're going to respectfully release him. I think that's what you see from a lot of, um, kind of, kind of like with Philip Rivers this past season, right. um, where the team ended up releasing him out of respect for him. You know, obviously Rodgers has a lot of guaranteed money on his deal. He has a lot of leverage because of that. He could potentially rework his contract to, um, in favor of being released and actually kind of put that on the Packers to, um, kind of pressure him into a release because the Packers aren't going to want to sit with uh, $25 million in dead cap a year. So that could be a, a very reasonable agreement that, hey, if you release me, let me go get another contract. I can actually, you know, find an organization that I can win a ring with um, that I that I'll, you know, let you guys clear up some of your salary cap. And I so, yeah, ultimately, I think he will be released and be able to sign with whatever team he wants to sign with. I think that the Bears are going to go ahead and grab a quarterback in the draft next year. And I don't know if the Packers will be ready to part ways with him after this season. I think that it's going to be a two. I think he's got two seasons left. I think after his, after two seasons, they're going to be ready to go with Jordan Love unless he's obviously awful. But the funniest thing that I, I was thinking more about the Jordan Love pick. Tell me this. Jordan Love is in the exact same mold. Okay. Of Drew Locke, who the Packers notably tried to get, but the Denver Broncos jumped one pick ahead of them and grabbed them. And he's also in the exact same mold as Deshaun Kaiser coming out of Notre Dame. These, these high, like the, the Packers, uh, GM Brian Gutekunst obviously has a type at quarterback. Oh, yeah. And notably these, these, the, the quarterbacks that a lot, it's the same type that Elway likes, by the way, which Elway's done a horrible job with these type of quarterbacks where they're these high upside guys. And oh my God, they've, they've shown so much in this one, in this one season. And, uh, the statistics don't matter and the, where they're playing, who they're playing doesn't matter. Um, it's really, I don't know, like that, that gives me a lot of questions about the Packers organization. Like, were they really that in love with, Jordan Love or were they just looking for their type of quarterback because if they have found a quarterback they like in every single of the past three drafts why would you go with this one particularly just because you can finally land them I don't get it yeah I mean well we have to recognize this is the same type of player that Trubisky is right has the one year it's all about mm-hmm. the intangibles more than yeah, the stat but, but Trub- Trubisky had a much better stat line than than Jordan Love did like a much like I think he went 30 and 10 I mean, which is way better than 20 and 19. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, it was, he didn't really beat any big teams at his time at North Carolina. 
It was kind of a no, mediocre record, you know. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the there hype wasn't really driven from the stats. It was kind of just like those passes, you know. I think he was really – his deep ball was really coveted, which is funny because we haven't yeah. seen enough of it here in mm-hmm. Chicago. But um, I'm kind of bran- branching off of that. Yeah, with Kaiser, which, you know, notably was a Packer. <laughs> they got snagged him after the Browns <laughs> released him. And, you know, Drew Locke and, and now Jordan Love, right? We're, we're, we're looking at what the upside is. And I think ultimately they're hoping they can kind of groom and smooth out that bottom edge so that it's not really, there is no loss. You know, they're trying to make something that has risk and they're trying to take the element of risk out of it. And, and we'll see how it works out. I mean, only time will tell. We know that Jordan Love isn't going to play this year unless, you know, injury to Aaron Rodgers or some other you know, extenuating circumstance. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to see. Uh, this is going to be a uh, question that's answered, like you said. I think like three years from now, you know, two seasons after Aaron Rod, you know, like Aaron Rodgers has another two seasons. I will say this though. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers, if this ends up being his last season as a Packer, no matter what, I think that the Bears should still draft a quarterback, but they still should absolutely go after Aaron Rodgers if that opportunity presents itself. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, is mutually interested in, in becoming a Chicago Bear. I mean, you think if Jordan Love, how much he's going to be learning over, under Aaron Rodgers in, you know, the coming year or years, you know, think about how much of an impact that that could have on someone like, you know, you know optimally Trevor Lawrence, but, you know, mm-hmm. any other um, young quarterback, you know, it, it would do so much for them. So I think that the opportunity to draft a quarterback you know, not have them, uh, you know, on such a huge contract and then also bring in someone like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that would really turn, you know, this franchise around as far as the quarterback, you know, position is concerned, and I think in general, to be honest. Absolutely. And I think that um, it's it's very another, – another name to actually kind of reference here when you look at this quote-unquote mold of quarterback because it seems like the NFL does put out a certain mold of quarterback, you know, like players tend to play within a certain mold and – that's how you have scheme fits and, and everything like that. But um, as far as another name that's kind of noteworthy is Paxton Lynch uh, out of Memf- Memphis, I believe, right? Yeah, he was a Memphis quarterback. He had a, a good amount of hype out of it. He kind of, I mean, I'm pretty sure he played alongside Anthony Miller, um, was his quarterback for at least a year yeah, or two. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had a lot of hype, but yeah, he was... Uh, same Man, situation, he, same thing on him. Kind of like guy can be and he's real a little good. bit, a little bit like Josh Allen too. Like he was kind of just like a bigger, bigger kind of guy, you know. And, and he had some running ability, you know, a decent, decent arm, and, and and some intangibles that people liked. But I think a lot of people were hesitant on him, and we have to remember that you know John Elway is the GM that took you know Paxton Lynch, and he took Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took Tim Tebow in the first yeah. round which, you know, a little bit more outside of it, but it's still kind of the same mold. It's a bigger kind of quarterback with athletic ability, but maybe not such refined passing skills. Yeah, and what I have to say is, like, it continues this chase for Patrick Mahomes that we kind of talked about this. Like, Patrick Mahomes and Jordan Love are very different players, like 100% different players. I was a huge Patrick Mahomes fan. I think – I don't – I don't know if you remember this, but uh, when when the Bears actually drafted Trubisky, that 2017 draft, uh, I believe uh, Reese, we had, yeah, Reese, it was our senior year in high school. We had classes together. Yep. Um, and I, I remember I was like, all right, yeah, I, I, I want this, you know, I want this Patrick Mahomes guy. 
Um, and then after that, I want Deshaun Watson. And then after that, I want Trubisky. And then after that, I want Kaiser. So I, I it's funny because I kind of got it spot on in retrospect. But um, the, the funny thing is there was a lot of hate going towards Patrick Mahomes coming out of that air raid offense. And honestly, at that time, I didn't really... I can't say that I knew as much about football as I do now. So looking at it, I was just like, from just like the eye test, like he was like big time. Like he was like, wow, like a wow player. Right. And you know, sometimes the eye test is all you need to to determine a player. And sometimes the scouting techniques and, you know, looking at different intangibles and, and, and skill sets, you can kind of be flawed in your mindset uh, with who a player is. I just, and to, truth be told, I looked at Trubisky and I was like, this kid comes from North Carolina. I don't want him, you know? Um, but but ultimately, uh, what, I, what I was getting back to is Patrick Mahomes was put up some absolutely insane stats. Right. Like he, he showed all of his abilities and wow abilities with also putting pairing that with insane stats at a at a high level program. Texas, Texas Tech is no, you know no Clemson or no USC or whatever, but they're, they're, a, they're a program and they, they had um, some very notable names on that coaching staff, including Cliff Kingsbury, you know? So I don't know, man. I just, I think the Packers, uh, the more I think about the Jordan Love pick, the more I hate it. Like on straight up. Yeah. I think a lot of people are kind of coming to that conclusion. I'm not ready to make that determination because I think whenever you give like a, a young quarterback a chance to sit and, and understand offense, I think it does them a lot of benefits. But I also, I'm also of the belief too that you know if a quarterback is actually ready for the NFL, they can come out and play. Mm-hmm. You know, rather soon. I don't know if that necessarily means you can start the season, but you know, maybe even by midseason or at least in the second year, they should be able to hit the ground running. You know, a lot like mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes did. I think that sitting a quarterback for an extended period of time, you know. It takes a little bit of the edge off. It takes a little bit maybe of their confidence off, you know. So I think it's kind of a delicate balance you have to strike. And, you know, I think, you know, for the Packers, it, it, it put a it put a clock on, on Aaron Rodgers. It, it put some, you know, fire under his boots. You know, he knows that he's probably not going to be there for the long-term future. He might be starting to analyze, you know, where else he wants to go. And that could have a cascading effect on the locker room. You know, I mean, how do all the other players, I mean, everyone's been talking about how Aaron Rodgers feels about it. How do all the other players feel about it? Are they ready for a change at mm-hmm. quarterback? I'm sure players like no. Devonte Adams, <laughs> like Aaron Rodgers, you know, I'm sure Devonte Adams has no I'm problem sure. <laughs> catching, you know, pinpoint balls from, from Aaron Rodgers game after game. So. And ultimately I think we need to remember the reality of where we sit in the NFL uh, expectations versus reality in the NFR are a very important concept to kind of toggle with. Um, like specifically when we kind of talked about how, oh my God, flashy wide receiver, adding him to the Bears seems like a no brainer. When in reality, you know, wide receiver, you don't need an overload of riches at wide receiver. There's other positions that you might be able to put the money to. A reality of the NFL is that quarterbacks don't sit anymore. They like, they really don't. Patrick right. Mahomes. He is the first quarter, first, first round quarterback in a long time that I've seen that actually sat an entire year. Do we really believe that the Packers are just going to sit Jordan Love for four years for the rest of Aaron Rodgers' contract? I think there's no way. I think that he, he's got, like, you have to play at that point to validate the pick. 
you know the second Rodgers starts showing a little bit of either decline has like a not the best season or maybe gets a lot of injuries in one season that's it like that's the last straw because you already invested this pick and you're eager as a GM to prove that you are right right unless it's a, a total Paxton Lynch scenario where he's just drafted in the first round and doesn't even play a snap for that team really right which is really just like a waste of a pick and and you know it gets back to what I said in the beginning we're just gonna have to see and who knows when Jordan Love steps in? It, if he does sit for four years, like it's just, I feel like that really takes the edge off. It takes a lot of your confidence as a player off because you want to feel like you're good enough to go out there and play. You know, like it's not it's not good for a player to be out of the game for four years. Yeah, you know, like that's that's also another thing you have to consider is when you I'm sure you're resting a player, but like when you don't have game experience for four years, that's that's also that's also a bit concerning. Um, but it, yeah, ultimately, it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. If you're a Bears fan, you can look at the positive and say, hey, they're either going to lose Aaron Rodgers or they wasted a pick, right? That's that's the, the double positive for a Bears fan. Okay, so moving on to the premier topic, we obviously did our defensive review last episode. We're going to be going over our offensive review in this one. Now, the first thing before we get into it, the Bears had a lot of coaching staff changes um, it, over this past season, rightfully so. Offense was pretty horrible last year. Um, you can blame it on Nagy, you can blame it on Trubisky, but there's also a lot of positional coaches you can also blame it on. The first addition that we had was Juan Castillo, offensive line coach, which was by far the best coaching staff signing we had this offseason. Very notable, very well-respected offensive line coach. Um, just really has done wonders in the NFL and has developed some really good players. And this gives me a lot of hope for our offensive line. After that, we have John DeFilippo, uh, obviously pretty horrible with the Minnesota Vikings, but as a quarterback's coach, which is what we put him as, um, has a very, very good record. Um, notably with the Eagles team that ended up winning the Super Bowl with Nick Foles as well and Carson Wentz kind of toggling that young quarterback, um, and also very, you know, advanced quarterback um, QB situation. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna have him um, fill in for uh, the previous quarterback coach. I can't think of his name, Dave Ragone, who got promoted to the passing game coordinator. And then we have Bill Lazor, who's our new offensive coordinator. Um, pretty kind of lackluster record. <laughs> A lot of time with the Cincinnati Bengals, which is not who I hope the Bears will uh, be in twenty nine. 2020 um and then finally clancy barone as the tight ends coach um not a, not an extremely notable name but has some intriguing um some intriguing past history with different teams so reese what do you think about these uh, qu- uh quarter or coach signing excuse me yeah i think it's interesting because i i feel like we never really talked too much about Hel- helfridge you know who was the past offensive coordinator in our naggy and and I think it's because mm-hmm. he never really had any play calling responsibilities, so it's yeah, it's tough to really discuss the impact of an offensive coordinator who doesn't really call plays. You know, for a lot of teams, that's really their main, you know, their main significance in the team. An offensive coordinator, especially, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot made of when you know the offensive coordinator or, a co- or head coach kind of switch off those play calling, you know, the responsibility for that. So I, I'm interested to see what Bill Lazor can do. You know, I, I think Cincinnati, you know, in the past, obviously, right, they had a pretty dreadful year. But I think they kind of have an offense that's set up 
somewhat similarly to the the Chicago Bears, right? They mm-hmm. have, of course, AJ Green didn't play much last year because he was banged up and injured. But I think AJ Green is kind of comparable in a way to Allen Robinson, at least in the way that they in his play in, in the way that they play. You know, I think Nick Foles. You know, you can kind of pseudo make him to Andy Dahl. Of course, he has his own own skill set. But I think he kind of has a similar level of play. Of course, I prefer Andy Dahl. We've talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be interesting. I think ultimately you brought up a good point. I think that, you know, Juan Castillo is probably going to bring the biggest, you know, upgrade. And we can only hope that he's going to have as big of an impact on this offensive line as he has had in, with teams in the past. I think that, you know, if we can at least coach – this offensive line into into functioning and really developing a, a good chemistry because really that's what's most important. I, you can go out and sign you know a big name offensive lineman. We talked about how much we want to bring in someone like Larry Warford, but if Juan Castillo mm-hmm. can come in and, and teach up this offensive line, coach him up, and really get him to kind of gel and you know get a sense of chemistry, then you know that really kind of allows you to not pick up the best offensive lineman, but still get good offensive line play. You know, still be able to run that football, you know, better and, and set up play action and all that. You know, really having offensive line is, is so crucial and key that it really opens up a lot, a lot of variety in your play calling that you know the Bears so clearly lack. Yeah, be, I think that's a great way to say it. I think Juan Castillo, great, great addition. Obviously, um, his coaching ability was probably and likely paired with the signing of Jermaine Effetti, who was a huge traits guy coming out of college. Um, I like that Juan is actually moving him to guard. I thought when he was coming out that that was his position that he should have been played at. Um, obviously, the Seattle Seahawks played him at, uh, they ended up playing him at right right tackle out of need, uh, but it could be really good for Jermaine Effetti's career. I think will be really good for James Daniels' career, another young offensive lineman who we have. Uh, a look at Clancy Barone, our tight ends coach. He also has a background in offensive line as well. Uh, Barone was with the Vikings as a tight ends coach and an offensive line coach. So, you know, it's actually kind of going to be interesting seeing him paired with Komet, who's kind right. of in the same mold as uh, Kyle Rudolph. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for him as well. Bill Lazor. You know, the one thing that I have to say about him is that I think he he kind of uh, compliments Nagy pretty well. He has, he did a really good job with Joe Mixon in the run game. Um, you know, Cincinnati notably has had some really horrible offensive personnel, so it's kind of difficult to really judge the actual coaching when you have it like that. Um, Andy Dalton, I mean, we'll, I guess we'll see how good of a quarterback he really is without Bill Lazor's scheme. He was there for three years. And, you know, the Bengals, the offense this past season wasn't absolutely atrocious. Like, it, it had some potential. It had some hope. Uh, there's been stints that the Bengals have been really good offensively. Um, but ultimately, I think it's going to be a, a, a decent signing because of how he kind of is uh, compatible with Nagy. I, I think that he will have a large say in the running game. Um, and hopefully we'll see, uh, you know, David Montgomery take a huge step up because of him. But I think that's really all to be said. You just never really know with these coaches exactly how they're going to turn out. You know, obviously, John Filippo when he was brought to Minnesota to be the offensive coordinator, people had a lot of hype for him and it was a train wreck. So we, we just really can't judge it until we see an actual product on the field. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to the quarterbacks, Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. Are you excited about this combination this series? 
I think we've got it. We've we've talked pretty extensively about this combination. I, I, I think excitement's not the right word. I think I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued <laughs> to see how it all it all plays out. I, I do have a bit of confidence in Nick Foles. And we when we went through our schedule, I put a lot of confidence in his ability to lead a team. So I'm really hoping that that pans out. And I'm really hoping that Nick Foles starts the season. I'll be pretty pretty disappointed yeah. if it's Mitchell Trubisky. I think it's just going to open up a can of worms that this Bears team doesn't really need. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, Mitchell Trubisky really does prove that he deserves that, that starting spot. But I don't expect to see that. Mm-hmm. So I am intrigued to see how, how it all plays out. I'm intrigued to see how Nick Foles plays. And how Nick Foles can can change this offense and hopefully you know elevate and and really you know bring out the the potential and a lot of these players that I, I think that me and you have talked a lot about that I think some of these Bears weapons have higher ceilings you know that we didn't really get to see last year so I, I'm I'm really interested to see how that plays out but you know I think the book is out on Mitchell Trubisky I'm not a I'm, I don't think he has too much more to prove. I think he has the ability to play well. Mm. We've seen it in spurts, but nothing tells me that he's ever going to become consistent. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And ultimately, logically, I think that Nick Foles is going to end up being the quarterback. And Matt Nagy came out recently and said that Nagy's offense is like riding a bike for Nick Foles, which is not going to be good for Mitchell Trubisky, who... Uh, I guess you can kind of compare it to him riding a unicycle without any without any training. He can't really do it well, at juggling. all. Yeah, or ju- yeah, picking up juggling. Um, but ultimately, I would be really excited if Mitch won the job. Kind of in a in a different like kind of looking at it from a different scenario. Because in my head, that means that Mitch Trubisky is playing better than Nick Foles. Nick Foles is a constant in my mind. I think we know that we're going to get average quarterback play from him um, if he if this team stays healthy and if the offensive line is, you know, good enough, I think he's going to give us average quarterback play. If Mitch Trubisky ends up winning this job that looks ultimately completely destined for Nick Foles, in my mind that says that, hey, maybe Mitchell Trubisky woke up and learned how to play quarterback. That being said, you know, I think that it's it's not going to happen. I think that Nick Foles is going to be our, our starting quarterback day one. Um, and I think Mitchell Trubisky is... Uh, the hourglass is going for him. He's going to be uh, not a quarterback after this following season. So uh, hopefully, course, this hold on p- one second. Of course, yeah. of course, we thought we thought the same thing with Mike Glennon, though. <laughs> we thought for sure <laughs> that he would be, you know, at least starting the first couple of games. And and man, that mm-hmm. was uh, that was not well. I mean, he did, and then he quickly lost the job. So yeah. yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see how it all plays out. I, I like your optimism, and I like your way of looking at it. That yeah, if Mitch is able to win the the quarterback position, then. Obviously, he improved, and that's kind of what I was getting at. You know, you know, if he ends up being the quarterback, hopefully that shows that he's you know picked up and is understanding the game a little bit better. But yeah, it's not gonna, it's not very likely when playing football looks like he's riding a unicycle backwards, <laughs> and Nick Foles is riding a bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So hopefully we can get average quarterback play because that's really all we need with this team this is a really good team this is the best bears team we've seen probably in this 21st century i know you know the the super bowl team obviously was very good but definitely not as balanced as this team right here um there's it's just going to be a real shame if we can't get some real good play out of this team because it's got a lot of potential so kind of moving on to another position that we talked about very extensively 
running back position. Obviously, we have David Montgomery as our primary starter. I'm a huge fan of David Montgomery. I think he's going over 1,000 yards this year. I think he has only scratched the surface of what he's going to do in the NFL. I was a huge fan of David Montgomery coming out of college. I thought the Bears should have drafted him, and luckily, we fucking did because he is a. I think he's got a ton of potential. Um, and then we got Tariq Cohen. Cohen's been up and down recently. He's obviously made a big statement with the Bears his first couple of years, had a bit of a down year last year. Um, and then I'm going to throw in our last player. You know, we got Ryan Nall, the Wrecking Nall, obviously a very notable name out of Bears training camp. I think Artavis Pierce steals the job. I think he's our third running back. As I said, big fan of Dave Montgomery, Tariq Cohen. Um, definitely a valuable piece of this team. But Artavis Pierce, he needs to step up. And if he does, he's going to get a lot of snaps this year because we need the type of player he is. He's obviously um, a speedster, a really good in-between for Dave Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. And he can, he has the opportunity to make an instant impact. And, you know, you can't really say that about many undrafted free agents. But when it comes to the running back position, undrafted guys make it all the time in the NFL. And it would not surprise me if Artavis Pierce has a big year with the Bears. Yeah, I love the wrecking all. You know, he's a training camp hero, but <laughs> and he, you know, has played well for you know special teams roles that he's had for the Bears. So he has been added value, but there's been a lot of time he's spent on the on the practice squad as well. And I think you know we've kind of gotten to the point in Ryan Knoll's career where it's probably time to to cut him. You know, just being fair, I think that mm-hmm. Artavius Pierce has a lot more potential and upside. And I completely agree with what you said. The Bears really do need that middle ground between. Tariq and, and David Montgomery and I really hope that Artavius Pierce really kind of develops into what we're hoping and that he can really get some touches you know if he's able to get you know 10 touches a game I think that'd be a huge win for the Bears to really just shake things up honestly it's just good to get the ball into you know different hands and make the defense really think about and have to scheme for as many weapons as you can bring into the game I think with Tariq Cohen you know, I, I've been a little harsh on him before because I just don't think he's always utilized properly. And I think that Nagy mm-hmm. almost tries to force the issue sometimes. You know, they feel like Tariq Cohen, and he does. He has all this talent. He has all this athleticism. So they feel like they need to give him the ball in situations where it doesn't really make sense to have him carry the ball or catch the ball or do whatever. So I think that just proper utilization of Tariq Cohen and, and being able to use him on kind of different, unique, sometimes borderline trick plays like they were able to in 2018 will only help him, you know, be more of a even harder for defenses to scheme for him. You know, he already brings a skill set that's tough for defenses to to really try to stop, but just really utilizing him properly is only going to make him even more of a threat. And David Montgomery, yeah, I mean, I fully expect him to to breach a thousand yards. Honestly, I think it'd be a bit of a failure for him if he doesn't. I think all things have aligned for this year to really, you know, hopefully be a big step forward. I think we saw a lot of good things Mm -hmm. from him in certain games last season, especially when he was able to get some blocks. He was able to break off some really nice runs. He has great physicality. Bears fans love that. And uh, he seems like he's always the type that's falling forward and gaining that extra half yard or or yard, which really adds up and makes a huge difference, especially in short yard situations. I hope that we can see him be a little bit more successful around the goal line. You know, mm-hmm. there's a couple times last year he got blocked off. So I, I would like to see him uh, score a few more touchdowns as well. Yeah, David Montgomery, obviously really excited for him, but it's also going to be 
in the hands of Matt Nagy and this new offensive coaching staff to really get the most out of these running backs. It seems like Matt Nagy was consistently trying to establish some sort of run game last year, even when it didn't necessarily make sense to. And it almost seemed like he became obsessed with trying to get something to work that wasn't really working. Um, and a lot of that, I honestly think, has to do with Mitchell Trubisky. Teams understood that if they were just able to pressure him, that they could make him force him into some mistakes. So it ultimately always made sense to load the box with an eight, you know? It just made exactly. sense to have have as many linebackers on the line as possible, um, and just just to let Mitch figure it out or uh, let let him let him kill you with his arm. That being that being said, um, I'm excited. Still, I have I have optimism. I think that Tariq Cohen needs to have a much bigger role in the passing game this year rather than running back. I think that his snaps should honestly probably be seventy percent wide receiver, thirty percent running back because I think he does a much better job when he's given the ball with some room and doesn't have to go through the tackles like Matt Nagy tried to get him to do every once in a while. Um, so I, I think that we might actually see him uh, kind of fill in for Taylor Gabriel. Yeah, with Tariq, you bring up a good point there, and it just brought something up in my mind. The Bears really need to do a good job of utilizing motion this year. In 2018, they Absolutely. really did a great job of – you know, moving three Cohen, you know, from like the slot wide receiver position to the, you know, into the backfield, either alongside or behind Mitch, or even, you know, motioning him out of the backfield all the way to the edge to bring a linebacker out there. It really does a good job, uh, you know, if Mitch is playing quarterback and, you know, even Nick Foles, it helps the quarterback really kind of just discover, you know, exactly what defense they're playing because zone and man defenses are going to react differently to when you, you know, bring someone into motion. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, defense always have to account for Tariq Cohen. So they're definitely, it's going to drag a player either outside of the box or back into it. So they need to really utilize him more the way that they did in 2018. That's really kind of what I'm getting at. They did a great yeah. job of using him as like a wide receiver running back, really just a positionless player. And it seemed like last mm-hmm. year they kind of just made him more of a running back. Yeah. I don't, I just didn't understand the, desire from Matt Nagy to hand Tariq Cohen the ball and have him go right through the tackles all the time. It it didn't make sense to me. It's obviously not his skill set. You shouldn't try, you know, to put a square peg into a round hole. Doesn't yeah. doesn't work out. And that's what Matt Nagy continuously tried to do. Um but ultimately I think that what we actually might end up seeing is we have a little bit, we'll get into the wide receiver group next, but we have a little ambiguity um, as to who the main three starting receivers are going to be. It would not surprise me if Tariq Cohen kind of shifts over and becomes more of our slot receiver. Um, Cause when he's in the slot, he is damn good. He is really good. And Anthony Miller kind of takes over the outside position. Obviously, he's been primarily a slot wide receiver for us, but I think that he's grown enough where he can actually transition out to that outside wide receiver position. Yeah, and I think we talked a lot in our last uh, our last podcast about, you know, just how the explosiveness, the explosiveness that Anthony Miller could bring to the Bears by flexing them outside. Not, I, I honestly hope that's what they do. You know, of course, we know Allen Robinson is a, is a clear number one. And he does a really mm-hmm. good job of being that reliable pass catcher, um, great route runner, of course. And he's, you know, he's great at getting you for those 10, 15 yards, but maybe not necessarily anything beyond that. So I, mm-hmm. I think that throwing Tariq Cohen into the slot, like you said, kind of playing more of that role that Taylor Gabriel had, and I, to me that just makes perfect sense. 
I'm not going to debate that. Yeah. I think that that's honestly just a good fit for this offense. It's a good use of his skill set, good use of his speed, good use of his ability to catch the ball and run pretty clean routes. And that's just a matchup nightmare for, you know, a linebacker, you know. If you're going to put a linebacker out on three Cohen, he's going to beat him, you know, nine out, maybe even ten out of ten times. And, you know, putting a safety on him, you're taking a safety away. And also just his shiftiness is hard for any, you know, anyone's honestly just bigger than him to handle. That's just the Mm -hmm. fact of it. Yeah, and I think that he's best used, obviously, like what you're saying, getting him in favorable matchups. Clearly, a uh, 5'6", like what, like a 160-pound dude isn't going to match up pretty well to a 300-pound 6'8 dude like he does when he's running behind the offensive line. Um, but he does a great job on the little screen passes the Bears do. He does a really good job uh, when he's when he's obviously in the slot. So it, it seems like that would make a lot of sense. And, you know, I said we were going to go to wide receiver next, but actually I want to take it and go to offensive line a position that the Bears have a lot of question marks on right now. Obviously, we talked extensively about possibly the addition of Larry Warford, who, you know, I still think would be a home run signing for the Bears if they're able to get him. Um, and obviously, we talked about Juan Castillo, and he's obviously going to help us out. Um, but we did, in fact, bring in uh, Jason Spriggs from the Green Bay Packers and then also uh, Jermaine Effetti to try to fill in the hole that Kyle Long left this offseason. Now, I don't think anyone's debating that we should have kept Kyle Long. I think it was the right decision to move on from him. Finally, he's had a ton of injuries in his career. He just was not the same player that he was when he first landed with the Bears. Um, but ultimately, I'm I'm really excited for Effetti. Uh, I think that he has a lot of upside moving him to guard. Um, and I think that, you know, the obviously the addition of Spriggs is good for um, some depth. And we also brought in Arlington Hambright, who <laughs> on Twitter or on a on, I think it was on a podcast, actually. He he came out and said, when he lands his hands on you, it's like vice grips. So I'm excited <laughs> about that, too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, that's good, uh, you know, self-advertisement for him. Of course, you know, with uh, a lineman that they will pull that off. That's, that's something special. <laughs> and I think that, you know, Fetty, right, we touched on, he obviously played out of position in Seattle, and, and that's going to hold you back. So I think putting him back at guard is really is going to help him, and it's, it's going to help the Bears, too. They have a void there. We talked to just how weak they are in the interior. You know, James Daniels is good. I like him. I think Cody Whitehair is a is a more than adequate center. I think I wouldn't call him elite, but I feel like he's on you know he's up there the upper echelon of centers. So I, that's definitely a, a strong point, you know. But that empty that other guard position, uh, I, I could see a Fetty, you know, doing good enough, you know, for this offensive line. I think Spriggs, you know, he's interesting. I, I think that. You know, if someone goes down with injury, I think honestly, if he plays well, he could play himself into a position somewhere on the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he has good ability, and you know, the Bears are pretty familiar with him being a, a former Green Bay Packer. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that all works out. I'm not expecting too much from Arlington Hambright or the other, the seventh Come round, on, yeah, Come the on. other seventh round picks. So we'll see. I mean, those are obviously just depth additions, but. With the addition of Juan Castillo, I just feel more confident about this offensive line, mm-hmm. even though they didn't bring in someone like Warford, which I'm 100% with you. You know, I still feel like they should bring him in because mm-hmm. that makes me feel more than sure about how good this offensive line could be. But it looks like right now it'll probably just be what they have, and I think that they'll be able to get the job done. I don't know if they'll be an elite offensive line. 
or you know anything close to that, but I feel like there'll be enough to give Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky enough time to to find some wide receivers and hopefully open up some holes for Artavius Pierce, Tariq Cohen, and Montgomery, and, and really try to get that run game going, which was lacking pretty pretty heavily <laughs> last year. There's a lot of benefits that the Bears have going for them on this offensive line. First off, they're not going to try to play around with James Daniels at center and Cody Whitehair at guard. James Daniels, he is perfectly good at center. And actually, uh, Kyle Long, he went on a podcast or something and talked about the the exchange between uh, uh, Daniels and Whitehair. And he said that James Daniels has to be a guard. He said that James Daniels is just not loud enough and vocal enough to pick up that center position because of all the offensive line uh, calls that you have to do from that position. He said Cody Whitehair is a much better fit there. Um, so he, he said that there that was clearly a mistake. So we've got that figured out. So that's going to be good going into the next season. Obviously, the addition of Juan Castillo, um, he's going to definitely be helpful. Uh, he, has a, he has a great record and a good record with a lot of newer offenses i think the biggest issue that we had with harry highstad who also was very well regarded is that he was a bit outdated he 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 had a more you know like ground and pound scheme for offensive line which is just not what the bears are going towards whereas juan castillo is obviously a much more up-to-date worked with a lot of newer offenses i know he's worked with um the the Ravens and the Buffalo Bills, um, so some some offenses that are really trying to get something going that's not so much traditional, um, and then also the addition of Effetti. This offensive line is going to be better than next year or last year. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, I think that's really it's going to be better than last year. I just I don't know how much better. Like I don't yeah. know how much better, and if it's going to be good enough. It's really hard to tell, but I think you bring up a good point that you know offensive lines have actually change a lot and at least like what's needed you know you brought up buffalo mm-hmm. bills and and uh, baltimore ravens you know pretty heavily rpo teams well linemen don't necessarily need to be as much like maulers as they need to be responsible and kind of more flexible and mobile too actually. mobile no, yeah they need to be a little bit more athletic is kind of the term that i'm going for but you know, in the past, linemen used to kind of just be maulers. You know, you look yeah. at those pancakes, you look to just push that defensive line back, hopefully get it up into the second level to the linebackers, you know. And then now mm-hmm. it's kind of just, you know, keeping that zone. Some other teams are running zone, you know, blocking schemes. You know, so it's kind of, yeah, like you said, a lot more mobility, um, you know, and pulling too. I think the Bears had a lot of issues with pulling a guard on like a stretch or like a power O play. And I hope mm-hmm. that you know, Juan Castillo is able to, uh, to remedy that. Yeah, absolutely. Getting to the second level is now more important than ever for offensive linemen. And, you know, that's kind of a, kind of a benefit for us for sure. You know, obviously having someone like James Daniels, obviously really good. I think that we are going to have to in the future, improve both of our tackles. They're good enough. I don't know how great they are, but again, I would just feel I would have a feeling that this offensive line could be really good if we made the addition of Larry Warford. The The jury is still out on Jermaine Effetti and obviously did not have the best career with the Seattle Seahawks. So we're just going to really have to see. It's going to say a lot about Juan Castillo if he's able to get Effetti to perform to this higher level. But one thing that I have to say is also it's pretty typical for linemen to not 
especially first round picks to not really succeed with their first team. Sometimes it takes them a little bit to get going, find the right positioning, find the right scheme for themselves. It's not always the easiest thing in the world for them. Um, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to say I'm cautiously optimistic about this position group. And that's, I think, all there really is to be said. So let's go ahead and move on to the wide receivers. In my opinion, the best offensive position we have. Allen Robinson, of course. Anthony Miller talked extensively about those two guys. I have Riley Ridley as our third option. I think that Riley Ridley in college had a great college career. I was a really big fan of him. Didn't get to see much from him last year. I think he's going to get a lot of snaps, but I don't know if schematically he really fits into the starting three because we tend, Matt Nagy likes to have someone to, you know, obviously take the top off the defense. And if that's not going to be Anthony Miller, it's probably going to be either Ted Ginn Jr. or Darnell Mooney, um, who who is listed next on my depth chart. Um, and then we got Javon Wims, Cordell Patterson, Trevor Davis. Yeah, I, I'm probably just going to skip right down to more of those depth receivers because like you said, we talked a lot about Anthony Miller mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and Robinson, of course. So I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how that how that third position, the three and four wide receiver, really go because they have mm-hmm. quite a bit of depth there and, and some players that you know they've been around for a couple of years. Obviously, this is going to be Cordell Paris in the second year. Wims has been around for for multiple years now, so it's going to be interesting to figure out how that all goes. You know, I think Cordell Patterson he could see more touches in my in my mm-hmm. opinion you know like you said you he likes to take the top off of defenses and Cordell Patterson is extremely athletic I mean he's such a return threat has a lot of speed so I you know naturally I kind of just my mind jumps to him Ted Ginn Jr. you know I'm more reserved on you know I, I haven't wasn't a huge fan of the pickup in general so That's I mean question mark. yeah I'm, I'm curious to see how many touches he gets I, I'm right with you with Riley Ridley I'm a huge fan of this play I mean He's probably one of the best route runners out there. He's so crisp. It's just everything else outside of that, you know. Does he kind of have the ability to get free, you know, find holes in zones or shake off, you know, whoever is guarding him in man-to-man coverage? That's really what's going to make the big difference. So I'm curious to see who steps into that that three role. And naturally, in my mind, I feel like it would probably be Cordell Patterson's going to be getting a lot of a lot of touches. I, I feel like they didn't really utilize him to the full extent that they did like that they wanted to last year mm-hmm. so I- i'm curious to see how that plays out javon wims I-, I liked wims there's some games where wims was a pretty good target i'm trying to think yeah man well the first game that they wore their um their unis that trubisky got hurt in and chase daniels oh the what? vikings game yeah at wims actually had a, a quite a good game for whatever reason yeah. i think chase daniels really liked whims you know <laughs> so it, it's something to keep track of I, I think bringing in a new quarterback you know if nick Foles is starting it could really kind of shuffle up what weapons he likes i mean quarterbacks always have their preferences Absolutely. and and what they like in wide receivers so it's really going to be up to probably to nick Foles to see you know just exactly who who, who he wants in that three and four spot with Trubisky, I think the biggest beneficiary out of this wide receiver group was Allen Robinson because he would throw that ball up to him regardless of what was occurring around around <laughs> Two, him. Three, you know, players yeah. in coverage yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> 
he was throwing that up there no matter what. Um, Anthony Miller, I think, was the biggest detractor because of Trubisky. I think there was tons of times where Trubisky missed Miller, especially in his rookie season. This isn't talked about much, but Anthony Miller could have had a thousand yards in his rookie season. He was open deep so many times. And he just never, Trubisky wasn't able to hit him. And it was really sad um, for Anthony Miller. I think you made a great point where you say that quarterbacks have different preferences. We might see a little bit of switch-ups. Ted Ginn Jr., this might be kind of a weird comparison, but his signing kind of reminds me of when the Bears signed Victor Cruz a couple years ago. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, I do remember that. And that is a, that is an interesting thing to bring up. I'm actually kind of glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, because it's it, it was one of those things where you're like, oh my God, Victor Cruz. Like Victor Cruz, you, you know, Super Bowl winner, Victor Cruz. Um, obviously had those great years with the Giants and honestly a great person. Victor Cruz is a, is a great sports analyst. I hope that he kind of, you know, catches his footing and becomes a little bit bigger in that regard. Um, but Tenge Jr., obviously a person who um, has a lot of potential as far as speed goes. He hasn't really lost a step, but his contribution to the Saints was kind of negligible. Um, Darnell Mooney has a huge opportunity here to really step up and become that major weapon for the Bears. Now, he has the skill set that the Bears are looking for out of the position. He's a good route runner. He's fast. He's kind of, he's smaller. So he's not quite a Taylor Gabriel small, but he's not, he's not like a Deshaun. He's not like Deshaun Jackson either. Like he, he's kind of like in between. Um, and he, he's a, he's a smaller dude for sure. Um, but he has a huge, huge possibility of really stepping in. If he can really make the most out of training camp, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up winning that job just because there's that need. But right now, I think, you know, probably Cordell Patterson, although it wouldn't surprise me if Riley Ridley ends up getting a, a major uh, snap share. I just don't think schematically he schematically he's going to be in the same role kind of as Allen Robinson. So unless Allen Robinson is either pulled for a game or goes down, I don't know how much we'll see of him. Maybe we'll see him in the red zone a lot because he is a bigger target. Wouldn't surprise me if Riley Ridley catches a couple touchdown passes this year. Again, big fan of Riley Ridley. Fit is just a little difficult. He's kind of hidden. Um, but Javon wins. We have a ton of talent at this position. It's going to be interesting to see. I think that they might keep seven and kind of consider Cordell Patterson as just a special teamer. Obviously, he's going to get some reps on on at wide receiver, but it's a really crowded group, and it's going to be a it's going to be a hard position to make the team at for sure. Yeah, and. You know, as going all the way back to Victor Cruz, man, everyone was so excited because that was a time where uh, oof, the Bears did not have many great receivers. So they bringing in someone not. like Victor Cruz was was game a game changer. God, but, to be behind to be behind uh, 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 what's his name, Kendall Wright and oh. Mar- that Marcus uh, I can't remember his name, Marcus Wheaton and Cameron like, Meredith Tanner. Tanner Gentry. Cameron Meredith went down in the preseason and he still didn't make the team. You have to have a really bad offseason for that to happen. Yeah. But as far as back to the depth of the position, I honestly would like them to keep like seven. I, I think that they do need to keep quite a few. Just, you know, you know, right. Of course, the obvious being barring injury, you know, you want to keep a good amount of depth there. But realistically, you need 
five wide receivers if you want to you know open up that empty set you know no no one in the backfield just the quarterback with five wide outs you know of course you could mm-hmm. sub in Tariqo in there as a, as a slot or as one of the slots if you wanted to but I think it's smart to keep at least five you know six I think is what most teams carry but I do think this team should hold seven just because of how mm-hmm. much you know how ex- well not explosive how much talent they have at the position right we talked about how this is probably their best position so why not play to your strengths you know you honestly should continue to play on with the strengths like i said javon Wims is someone that has even shown flashes and i think a lot of bears fans might not even recognize that name tedgan jr mm-hmm. I, I think tedgan is honestly already the the receiver that i'm all, i'd say if i had to pick one to get rid of i would get rid of him i think mm-hmm. you hit it on the head with, with riley ridley you know, Allen Robinson is kind of occupying a spot, and no one, and I'm not vouching here for for Riley Ridley to take over Allen Robinson's spot, but maybe yeah. in the future, you know, he's someone to keep an eye on. You know, maybe he's someone that could in the future take over that role that Allen Robinson has. So it, it, we're just going to have to wait and see how this all shakes out, you know, ultimately. Just like everything else on this offense, I feel like we've been saying that a lot, but there really are so many changes and just shifts that. You know, it's hard to really predict what what is really going to pan out. Do you think that we should extend Allen Robinson before the season begins? Oh, uh, what's the specifics on his contract? How much has he got left? He's this is last year. This is, is last it? year. Um, I think he's making like fifteen million, or actually no, I think it's twelve million. We got him on a really good deal because of his injury. Yeah, I don't see a reason to. Yeah, I don't like Allen Robinson. He's he's. It might be a little bit cheaper if we do it, but. I truthfully want to see how this position group just kind of plays out. Like, I, I think Allen Robinson is obviously a great player. We might get him at a slight discount, but I don't think there's anything wrong with letting him play out his contract here and then taking a look at the exact availability of the wide receivers next season. Because Allen Robinson, great wide receiver, but he's replaceable. Like, yeah, if we're being completely honest. I was going to say the right word for him is replaceable. Yeah. Yeah, he, he is replaceable. You know, I think he's top 10. I think he's like a lower top 10. But with the way wide receivers are being shifted around, it's it's not a complete necessity to be like, he's not someone like an Eddie Jackson where you're like, this dude is arguably the best at his position and we need to keep this guy. He's like, he's someone where you're like, you know, he's really good. He's a number one wide receiver. But we we could improve the position. We could improve it at position potentially. So maybe it's a better idea to just see how he develops. And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If, if OBJ and DeAndre Hopkins can be moved, then uh, yeah, so can Allen Robinson. You know, absolutely. <laughs> He's definitely absolutely. not immune. <laughs> no way. Um, so you know, this is a good position. I'm happy with it right now. I think Nick Foles will really show us who is as good as they like they can be because the thing is these guys have not had the most premier quarterback play um to really show off their traits i think anthony miller off to a big year and i think that it's going to be a a really good position group when we look at it by the end of the season but kind of moving on to the position that was the worst (laughs) for sure going into this offseason was tight end 
Um, starting off our premier tight end, I'm giving it to Jimmy Graham. Um, obviously, <laughs> big Jimmy Graham, you know, all pro, pro bowler, but, you know, obviously showing some age. Um, and then Cole Komet behind him, Demetrius Harris, Adam Shaheen, and then J.P. Holtz. Uh, Jimmy Graham's obviously taking over more of a move position, which I'm actually extremely excited for. I think for the first time in his career, which before I say this, let me preface this. Everyone always says Jimmy Graham has never been used in the right way. And I find it hard to believe that multiple teams can just continuously not use a player in the right way. That being said, I think Matt Nagy is a really brilliant offensive mind. And I think that Jimmy Graham's in a really good uh, fit for him. I don't think he's going to be putting up 700 yards, but I think that he can be better than he was last year. Um, Jimmy Graham, he's going to be in that pure move tight end role despite his size. Obviously, 6'8", he is a move tight end. He's fast. He's a former basketball player. Um I think that he's going to have a decent season. I'm hoping that he can just give us like slightly better than what he gave the Packers. 500 yards, five touchdowns-ish. I'd be extremely happy for with Jimmy Graham. Um, and then behind him or next to him in some regard is Cole Komet. He is going to be taking over the primary Y role. Rookie tight ends have a little bit of a difficulty producing in their first year. So I don't know if I'm going to have the, the highest expectations, but I think that he could put up 500 yards five touchdowns same thing as jimmy graham um that would not be overly shocking i think that he's in a really he's in a scheme that needs him and i just i think that the biggest thing is he's gonna really benefit us in a couple years demetrius harris obviously has some upside adam shaheen he was a i'm I'm, I'm, yeah i'm gonna say that he is a cut candidate possibly for sure unless he can somehow turn it around he is gonna be technically like our our backup for Cole Komet, but he has just not been good with us. Hopefully he can get the injuries, you know, shaped out. JP Holtz had a really good year with us um, comparatively to his draft status, which was undrafted, um, caught some passes for us. We'll see if he can make the team, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Yeah. Okay. Here's where I'm going with this. Jimmy Graham. I just hope that he can be a player that can finally catch like a goddamn, you know, fade in the end zone if the bears can finally have that i'd be over the moon if it's simply if he gets like a hundred yards but like seven touchdowns in and like seven catches it's off of perfect. the phase that he catches i think he's done more than enough and, and i think cole Komet. honestly if he got 500 yards five touchdowns i'd be ecstatic i think he's going to do a lot for the team you know both in you know blocking and uh in the past game, me and you have talked pretty extensively, or you and I, man, I got to fix my grammar, jeez. But uh, you and I have talked pretty extensively on, on that. And I think J.P. Holtz, you know, he's kind of, he's an intriguing, intriguing person. Obviously, I want them to cut Adam Shaheen. He has done absolutely nothing here. He has all mm-hmm. the size to, to go up there and, and, and catch those fades, but... Man, there's a reason why they're not throwing to him. It's because he has he's not good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, JP Halls. I, I, I like what I've seen from him. You know, is Ben Bronecker? Is he still like on yeah, the list yeah. of ten he, tight ends? He's on here, and same as same with Jesper Horstad. I just kind of gave us the the top five that yeah. I kind of expected to make right. the roster. But exactly, we don't we don't need honestly. You need three tight ends in today's game. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe four you could make the argument for, yeah. but you really don't need any more than that. So ultimately, I'm more than satisfied with with Jimmy Graham, you know, Cole Komet, and either like Halt or Braunacker. That, that's kind of the skill set that I want to see with those other mm-hmm. in, in that remaining position. I think that it's mm-hmm. still going to be interesting to see how this plays out. 
mean, Jimmy Graham, if he could stay healthy, that'd be fantastic. I'm curious to see how he could be utilized, you know, like you said, finally in that move role. So, man, I, you know, it's going to be interesting how that plays out. I think Colmet, Cole Komet is going to be pretty steady. I think even for his rookie year, he's going to show some pretty good production. I think he's going to have a pretty steady career for the Chicago Bears. So, mm. I think it'll be interesting to see how, how they're utilized in the offense. I mean, there's a lot broad uh, talked about when – when Matt Nagy first came here, that you know, just how much of a focal point tight ends were of the offense, and yeah. we have not seen anything close to that. There's a lot of hype about Trey Burton, you know, which I don't know how, mm-hmm. why everyone really got so pumped about him, and he did show some good, good spurts. And obviously, he's gone now because, you know, his <laughs> he interesting injury, his history, and yeah, he sucked, kind of like Adam Shaheen. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, there's nothing else you can say about it other than just, wow, it's still a big question mark. But, hey, it's going to be intriguing at the least. See, here's the thing is we we obviously greatly overpaid for Jimmy Graham. I'm, I'm not going to argue that with anyone. <laughs> I think we, uh, we should not have given him that contract, period. That being said, the combination of Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, Demetrius Harris – I think that can be actually a really good position group overall. There's not one premier tight end. We don't have like a Travis Kelsey, but we have, uh, it kind of reminds me almost like of kind of what the Ravens have where it's, it's kind of like a, some, it's some names that kind of, when you put it together, they, they kind of complement each other well and they, they're able to, uh, really su- succeed. And ultimately, I think it would be, um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for this position group in total to bring us, you know, a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns. And I think that if we get that, that is going to be so, so good for this Bears offense. Yeah. I mean, it'd just be such a step up, honestly. I mean, really, it, it, simple as any kind of production is really just a step up. I, just something, honestly. I mean, we yeah. really didn't get anything at all last year. And that's just Nothing. the. I mean, that's why JP Holt stood out to me because he's just a recognizable name. Like he caught some passes mm-hmm. like Shaheen just never caught any passes and, and Trey Burton was out most all of last year. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm honestly really excited for this position group. Having good tight ends is so important in the West coast offense. Like it, it is a staple. And the fact that we have two solid ones, I think that we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets, um, especially in the, in the end zone um, for Matt Nagy this off season. And I think it's really going to help, Nick Foles as well. And, you know, obviously we didn't even have a, a good blocking tight end last year. And I think Cole Komet can help us with that as well. But, you know, all that that's all that can really be said. There's a lot of question marks on this offense, but there's a lot of players who also have a, a, a high amount of potential. It would not surprise me if this offense, you know, performs top 15, creeps up to maybe top 10, because it, it definitely has the talent to do so. Yeah, it's just about it's just a matter of getting everything to gel, honestly. And for you know proper play calling, and a lot of things have to go right for an offense to really succeed. So some things need to fall in line. I think on paper this this offense looks pretty strong, but you know we know that you know football is not played on paper. So you really got to see. No. We'll get a good read within the first couple of weeks to see just how well this offense is doing. Of course, they have a lot of room for improvement. So. It's going to be one of the more intriguing things to watch. I mean, everyone was talking about the kicker last year when they should have been worrying about a lot of other things, but this is definitely (laughs) what uh, all eyes are going to be on the offense for sure this year. You know, and I think one thing that you said that really sums up this entire thing is that 
especially on offense, football is not played on paper. I mean, there's been some teams that have looked stacked offensively that that come on are pretty horrible. One, one team I look at, yeah, exactly, <laughs> is, is the Cleveland Browns, that stacked Browns team with Nick Chubb and OBJ and, you know, uh, Jarvis Landry, Landry, Jarvis Landry, and all, all these big names, Kareem Hunt. Um, it, it, it just, it doesn't sometimes come to reality the way that it looks like it should. And that's, a, that's especially true on offense. You know, defense is more steady, it's more consistent. Offense, you know, sometimes you hit a hot streak, sometimes you're horrible. Look at the Bears in 2018, look at the Bears in 2019. Not that much change. In fact, we actually probably got better and the team performed worse. So we're just going to have <laughs> to see. I'm excited for this season. And, you know, after the season, if shit hits the fan, we're going to be having a really good quarterback next year. And, you know, if things go our way, uh, we're, we're, it also probably means that we have a really good quarterback next year. So. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. Either way, we're gonna have so much to talk about this coming season, man. We're just there's gonna be talking points of plenty. If it goes completely south and the Bears are are shit, especially on offense, then man, we get to talk all about the new quarterback class and everything, and and dive mm-hmm. deep into that. And if things start going right, we can actually talk about a successful football teams. So. All you Regardless. listeners are going to be along for the ride for sure. <laughs> Regardless, it's a good time to be a Bears fan. You know, I'm I'm hoping for either the Super Bowl or the number one pick. That's <laughs> all, I'm fine with either one of those two things. So, um, but thank you guys so much for joining us this week. We really appreciate all the love and support we've been getting. Um, if you like the show, go ahead and leave us a rating and review in the bottom of Apple Podcasts. Uh, that really helps us out. Um, and you know, go ahead and follow us on Instagram, check out our YouTube. Um, all those will be linked in the description. So thank you guys so much and, uh, have a great rest of your week. We're, we'll be, we're excited to be coming with you, coming out for you guys, uh, with another episode, um, pretty, pretty shortly into this week. So thank you guys and, uh, see you later.